Welcome to Politics Welcome and Right. Po- I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning to the United States of America. And of course, good morning to the world. I trust that all are doing very well. I trust that those of you on the road are being safe as you travel to your loved ones to celebrate Turkey Day. I trust that you will make whatever you claim or whatever you name this celebration to be, that you'll have a good time with family and friends. Don't forget, talk politics over Turkey. Everybody's going to tell you, don't talk politics this weekend when you're with your family. I say talk politics. You know, there's a good way to do it. There's a bad way to do it. There's a loving way to do it. Anyhow, before we get into all of that, let me go ahead and say to the great folks inside of the control room, good morning, geniuses. How are you guys doing this morning? Geniuses are are here. Well, where? Well, we're sitting in seats. Okay. In front of a mixing board. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sitting here being grateful to the fact that the tin cans and string held up this morning and I didn't have to go to the transmitter in the freezing cold. Well, it's not freezing cold, but you know not, what I mean. Not freezing. You're a little melodramatic. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, you know what, Egberto? Yes, sir. We have the Galveston transmitter on now. Yes. five is back on the air in Galveston. So we have to say this is KPFT Houston, FM 90.1, and the repeater in Galveston. At uh, 90, 89.5, Galveston. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. Are we getting any more transmit? Now that you are such an expert in installing our repeaters around the Houston metropolitan area, now Galveston, do we have transmitters well, coming up anywhere else? We're going to take over the entire world. We're going to start that. by putting one in Phoenix, Arizona. Translators everywhere. That's right. Then we're going to go to the West Coast, the East Coast, the North Coast, the South Coast. We're, we're going to Brisbane, Australia. We're going to make wow. border black broadcast into Mexico. Works for me. <laughs> so polish you know, up on your speech there, Jack. All right. Buenos I, dias. Wait, before, <laughs> b- before, before, uh, before Jack comes in, you were about to sound like John Dean. Uh, not John Dean. Uh, uh, Dean, Dean, ah, the guy who ran for, for president, uh, and it, when he screamed, you remember that good old scream? <laughs> we're going, yeah, we're going to Texas. We're going to Arizona. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he, lost. he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> he went back home. <laughs> Wait, what is his name? Right, like John Jack- Dean. Okay. Oh, I, I don't know. I know who you're talking about, but I yeah. can't think of the name right now. All right. Well, Jack has some wisdom for us today, and uh, I don't. So uh, here we go. A little, a little Thanksgiving blessing, a time together with family and friends, carve the turkey, listen to the Thanksgiving Day Massacre with Arlo on KPFT 90.1 yeah, yeah. in Galveston 89.5. Watch a bit of football, relax with your beverage of choice. And when you're talking politics, try not to start a fight. Remember, you love your family. So be grateful and giving to all and enjoy. Well, Jack, you just do politics done right. See? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's how you do it. And your family members won't be stringing you up to the tree in the front yard. Yeah. Egberto has a talent. 
There you go. Yes. Hey, you know what's oh. so funny, guys? I mean, a I, I, I slight. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to call it a plug. I just have to say it since we're talking about talking to to people. But a man, a, a few years ago, I wrote the book called "It's Worth It: How to Talk to Your Right Wing Relative, Friends, and Neighbors." And last <coughs> yesterday afternoon, or actually yesterday morning, I went out with one of our um, with one of our contributors here to to kpft um it's a guy that says you know i, I you know i i'm giving i want to we're going to go have some coffee etc etc and he was telling me about some candidates that were doing the, the, the doing their thing right and he said egberto guess what i'm like what man he said i handed and i won't name the candidate's name your book it's worth it to him and say hey it's covered man when they talk about this cover this cover this he said Man, I I really liked it. So I'm like, okay, thank you, man, thank you. So hey, oh, nice. yeah, it was like kind of touching. And, and, and how was and how was Brian yesterday? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't Brian, but you know what? I wouldn't mind going out to lunch with Brian. I think Brian would be a character going out to lunch because. Oh, Brian, be a trip, yeah. I, I think it would be fun. I would have fun with Brian. You know, they say, but what about this? Hey, Brian, are you listening, man? Call in earlier. Wake your butt up and call in earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, All right. anyway, we are going to have a great show for you guys today. Uh, the title of the show is, and I'm getting to it, Trump interview, a real insult to the Hispanic community, according to, well, I'll say who, and Medicare for All was passed in Baltimore. And should we be saying no to hydrogen energy? Well, there's a, you know, depending on how it's gotten, you know, hydrogen. Look, uh, well, let me give it a subtitle first. The former Univision president said that the Trump video was an insult to Hispanics. Baltimore endorsed Medicare for all and no to hydrogen for green energy. And Alistair Waters is in the house in our chat. Good morning to our beautiful Alistair Waters. Anyhow, folks, you know what? I'm going to start there just because I kind of teased you with that hydrogen thing well it turns out the story on climate uh, uh, uh from common dreams you know let me tell you uh we have to those of us that are capturing our news and the new york times the washington post uh abc cbs nbc i give them as the mainstream media a hard time but I want to digress a bit to tell you what I do, because the other day, you know, I was talking about mainstream media with my daughter and my daughter said, yeah, dad, I agree. You can't really listen to the media. In fact, I get a lot of information. This is my daughter. I get a lot of information from TikTok. And I said, yeah, I said, one thing, though, do you kind of like validate the information from TikTok? So when it's something important, like, you know, you, you hear things about Israel, you, you know, you're, there's this whole storyline on Israel, this whole storyline on uh, going on on West Africa right now on resources, etc. And if you re, if you go ahead, what you find is a whole lot of professors now, they have Twitter, not Twitter, uh, TikTok channels, and they give a lot of history and a lot of things they say, you know, they're not going, they can't say at the University of Texas or at a &M University or anywhere else, right? 
So the one thing I asked is, do you corroborate your information? And she says, yes. Uh, you know, when she sees something and it touches her, she goes ahead and says, wow, I didn't know that. Goes ahead and research it, finds out that it's true because, you know, all the information is out there. So I give a hard time to the, the mainstream media. But first of all, I want to say that all these media, mainstream media places, all of them, including Fox News, all of them have within their bodies good reporters. What they're able to say based on their producers. Again, the way the industry works is you have the reporter that the producer that that gives the marching orders to reporters. Reporters go out there and they get all the information, whether they're they be investigative reporters or other type of baseline journalists, get the information, then they bring it out and the producers and others uh, tie that and they create the narrative of the story that they're saying. That is why every so often, if you're watching a mainstream media, you will hear a reporter talking to a host at the table. You know, the host may be in the studio, the reporter in the field. And if the reporter sometimes providing a true narrative, you will see how the host, based on what producers are telling them in their ears, may kind of twist the story by the kind of questioning they ask, etc. So it's a lot of times about narratives. A lot of these guys are the guys uh, we went to school with who, you know, they're, 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 they're not trying to lie to anybody. But ultimately speaking, because of the way things work, that's what occurs. So when my daughter says, but you use a lot of MSNBC and CNN and sometimes Fox News for your show, isn't it? Aren't you just pirating what these guys are saying? And I said, babe, listen to what I do. I, I take the stories, which again, most of these, the times, these guys are trying to do something. I mean, I don't think they're trying to be overtly bad or anything like that. But narrative then becomes the question. When Welker asks, um, uh, goes ahead and asks the new Speaker of the House, uh, what is it that, uh, you know, what, what are the issues that concerns him? And she doesn't bring up his, uh, his proclivity to theocracy. That becomes a problem, right? And those are the types of things that we do. And when I say we, I'm talking about bloggers and the independent media. Those are the things that we do with what the mainstream media does. So if you watch, uh, if you, if you watch, let's say open house, or if you watch uh, YTTYT, or if you watch uh, any one of these independent type medias, what you find is that is what you do. Independent media doesn't have the money to go ahead and hire reporters all over the world to cover stories. So the expectation is that out of what's reported, you can and and not only that, since you're using many sources, you can finagle what the truth is based on the kind of coverage that you're getting. And that's what we do. You know, we take a lot of the news out there, put some logic onto it, and then present it based on not only our experiences, but based on the physical numbers and actual things that we can that we can see. So that's the answer there. But anyhow, so climate group warns world must not fall for the hydrogen hype. I've 
picked up this story at Common Dreams. And to put that into context is what, what I was saying, why I love Common Dreams, it'll take the stories and do exactly right. It not only applies the what I call the progressive narrative onto it, which means uh, an objective narrative uh, with with a with a slant towards we want to move forward, but it also tries its best not to uh, miscalculate the information. So anyhow, Climate Group warns world must not fall for hydrogen hype. Rather than betting on unapproved and inefficient hydrogen technologies, we need rich countries to put their money towards a, a just energy transition, said a Friends of the Earth campaigner. So here it goes. Amid preparations for COP28, the United Nations Climate Summit kicking off next week, a leading green group warned Tuesday that hydrogen is big polluters' latest trick, and we can't afford to fall for it. Anytime you see an oil company jump onto something that they can claim is green energy, hey, hold your horses. Let me just talk, uh, digress a minute and talk a little bit about hydrogen. Hydrogen is our simplest element on the planet. One, one atom, or rather one electron, one, uh, one uh, proton, and depending on the isotope, it can have different flavors of neutrons, etc. Okay, what determines an element? What substances is how many protons it has? Okay, so. Uh, it's a light chemical. It's a very, very, very explosive chemical or, or element. Why? Because it's a valence one guy. It only has one thing. So it's, it's wanting to hook up with a lot of other things. That's just how chemical chemistry works, right? So the hydrogen wants to hook up. So uh, when you burn hydrogen, the great thing about it is... It doesn't give off CO2 when you burn when you burn hydrogen. Its output, in other words, when you burn carbon, the output is carbon plus oxygen, CO2, which is a warming gas. When you burn hydrogen, it's combining with oxygen too. But guess what that result is? Water. So you burn hydrogen in a car, your ultimate result is water. So what's going to happen when you have a if you have a bunch of cars burning hydrogen is humidity, right? Because you're going to let go a lot of steam or actually I should say water vapor. You'll let go a lot of water vapor when you burn hydrogen. So that's it. That's what's cool about it. There's another story about water vapor, whether water vapor is a can be considered a warming gas or whatever, but that, that's for another day. But I, I just want to give the chemistry to understand why people call hydrogen a green fuel. The problem is, how do you get hydrogen? Hydrogen is being promoted as a, from the story again, hydrogen is being promoted as a clean alternative to fossil fuels used for domestic heating, transport, and heavy industry, explains a new friend of the Earth International uh, paper. Don't fall for the hydrogen hype. Put on uh, put out ahead of the global climate talks, but it's expensive to produce, inefficient, and far from a low-carbon solution. Wait, hydrogen doesn't have any carbon? 
How the hell are you talking about carbon and hydrogen? In fact, the majority of the global hydrogen supply is made how? From fossil fuels. An energy carrier, hydrogen stores and transport energy produced from resources such as biomass, fossil fuels, and water. But FOEI says industry promises of hydrogen's potential should not be trusted. Hydrogen, just like the fossil fuels and other false climate change solutions pushed by that same industry, further reinforces neo-colonial patterns of extractivism and exploitation. The group's paper begins by debunking the hydrogen rainbow, citing the International Energy Agency. It states the following. Globally, more than 62% of hydrogen production is derived from fossil gas, known as gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen when coupled with carbon capture and storage, or turquoise hydrogen when produced from methane uh, pyrolysis. About 21% comes from coal and lignite, black and brown hydrogen. 16% is produced as a byproduct at refineries. 0.5% derived from oil. Whilst only 0.1% is produced via water electrolysis, green from renewable electric city, purple, pink from nuclear. I don't know if you guys remember that thing in, in, in uh, high school where you put water in two tubes and you pass electricity through the two tubes that have a slight uh, electrolyte in it. And you, you produce oxygen in one tube and you produce hydrogen in the other tube. I remember that. Ex and, and then we'll burn the hydrogen to show that it was hydrogen. I remember that experiment that we used to do back in Panama in the school just to show what electrolysis was all about. But again, to do electrolysis, which is not how most hydrogen is produced, still requires an energy source. That energy source, if it's even if it's green energy, the problem is you're using one energy source to separate hydrogen from oxygen. And the question is, the amount of energy that you put into electrolysis, does burning that hydrogen back into water create more energy or less energy than what was used to put it in? Conservation of energy applies, folks. Conservation of energy applies. While some groups support green hydrogen, critics, including FOEI, emphasizes that along with being incredibly uncommon, it demands huge amounts of cheap renewable energy to function, rendering the process highly inefficient and requires vast amounts of water, an increasingly rare and precious resource that shouldn't be wasted. Let me say one thing, though, that I, I wish the article would sort of uh, put more uh, statement on, right? Because here's the reality. What is a battery? A battery is a way to store electricity, right? Uh, you store electricity in a battery. In some batteries, that's a chemical reaction that goes on to save that electricity. If you have a lead-acid battery, you get a chemical reaction that is reversed to produce electricity from, you know, your car, when you're charging your car battery from your alternator, it's pushing electricity into that lead acid battery. It is changing the, the, the chemical behavior of the lead in reaction with sulfuric acid to create the battery. Guess what? In this respect, electrolysis is a battery, right? It's creating hydrogen to store what electricity wasn't 
used or whatever. So I mean, there are ways to there are ways that we can say we use excess electricity produced by green energy in high performance times that we could consider the creation of hydrogen nothing more than a battery, right? Or, you know, just like if you have excess uh, energy, you could say pump water up a hill so that when there's no more wind blowing, you just bring that water from down the hill, pass it through a turbine. That's also a battery. You can call these things back in stores. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of ways to look at this. The, the thing that you have to ask yourself is what's the most efficient way to create batteries? And that's not, that wasn't the position of the article specifically, but that's a position that I try to tell folks. Whenever we're talking about transforming one form of energy into another, right, and storing it, that storage is called a battery. A lot of people complain about wind power. They complain about uh, solar power. They complain about wave energy. And they said those things are periodic. Sometimes they're waves. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's sun. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's wind. Sometimes there's not. Batteries become very important to save it in the mid, to save that energy. We should have a plethora of ways to do uh, many different ways in which to save that energy so that when the wind isn't blowing, the, the sun isn't shining, the waves aren't going, that we can actually still have energy. And batteries, again, can be hydrogen. Batteries, again, can be a dam holding back water at a higher level that will pass through a turbine. And batteries can be the chemical reaction in a lead-acid battery, the chemical reaction in a, um, a cadmium uh, battery or, or one of the uh, one of these these types of batteries that we use. Okay. All right. Continuing pushed by the same fossil uh, industry that has caused and continues to fuel the climate crisis. Hydrogen is yet another false solution sold by the industry as a magical fix, which allows business as usual to continue the paper assert the paper asserts like other false situations. It represents a dangerous distraction from the urgent deep, real emission cuts that are needed to address the climate crisis. Climate scientists and energy experts have long said that humanity must rapidly phase out fossil fuels to avoid the most catastrophic effects of heat in the planet and meet the Paris Green goal of limiting global temperature rise this century to 1.5 degrees. As we told you yesterday, that already has been surpassed a few days of the week, where it actually surpassed two degrees centigrade over the entire country welcome aboard paul fleming senior from atlanta georgia great to see you here my friend the fui papers points out that in addition to propping up polluters by justifying more fossil uh, fossil gas hydrogen conveniently allows the fossil industry to push another one of this its lifeless carbon capture and storage an unproven techno fix that global climate groups are also warning about the lead up to COP28 in the United Arab Emirates. Um, when they talk about carbon capture not being real, though, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I think in the long run, <laughs> we are probably going to have to institute some massive form of carbon capturing. Um, you know, because if we just rely on plants, and you know, plants are are the, are the biggest 
form of carbon capture, right? And even you are a carbon capture because your body, Chan, C-H-O-N, the chemical makeup of your body um, is a hell of a lot of carbon. Plants, everything, all of that is carbon capture. Carbon is one of the largest batteries out there. We just don't want to burn that battery because it, it throws warming gases right back into the air. So anyhow, continuing. It is unsurprising that hydrogen, just like the fossil fuels and other false climate solutions pushed by the same industry further, reinforces neocolonial patterns of extra, extractivism and exploitation. The publication continues, highlighting how the oil and gas sector has shown time and again its disregard for communities and the environment, especially in global in the global south uh yegeshni moodley from friends of the earth south africa groundwork said in a statement that in the global south green hydrogen receives public money yet serves only private interests as uh as governance collude with corporations over mega infrastructure projects communities struggle to keep their ancestral lands uh water and scant water resources intact the paper notes that like other false solutions to the climate emergency, including geoengineering offsets and so-called nature-based solutions on top of disproportionate social, disproportionate social environmental costs, hydrogen also comes with high financial costs. Uh, field advocacy officer Lise Masson argued that rather than betting on unproven and efficient hydrogen technologies, we need rich countries to put their money towards a just energy transition. One that puts power in the hands of people, not corporations. Already, some governments are pouring money into hydrogen. U.S. President Joe Biden last month announced a historic investment of up to $7 billion for seven hubs across the United States, the nation that has historically contributed the most to human-caused global heating. Meanwhile, in the European Union, the gas lobby has succeeded in securing several pieces of legislation promoting hydrogen, including legislation that allows public funds to go to fossil gas infrastructure as long as it promises to be hydrogen friendly, despite the fact that Europe already has more gas infrastructure than necessary. Uh, look, I am for, uh, I, look, I say no to putting all your money into, let's say, something like hydrogen. All these things I do think, however, uh, needs to earn your keep. And I do think we need to do our investments in all these forms of energies and see what is best. Do all the calculations that are necessary. Because again, every single person, every single entity just doesn't know what's best. I think we have to let, and I don't want to sound like a capitalist here, but I think we have to put some market into this to see what actually works best with what humanity in the aggregate wants. Anyhow, uh, let's see. Paul Fleming says, Rachel Maddow looks at how authoritarians around the world make a priority of attacking the media that criticizes them and ends that tendency and ends and denotes that tendency in Donald Trump and the Trumpic class of Republicans and billionaires who emulate autocrats. I, I hear you, Paul Fleming. I hear you. Anyway, folks, the telephone number is, what's your thoughts? Hydrogen, green energy, and all this, these types of issues. 713-526-5738. Give me a call before I jump to the other subject. 713-526-5738. Give us a call early, folks. Don't wait till the end of the show because we then try to rush you off. 713-526-5738. I would love to stick on this a bit longer because I know I've been getting in the chats 
people who sometimes complains about my good car, my my uh, I can get so much more out of my fossil fuel gasoline burning engine, internal combustion engine is here to stay. Give me a call, 713-526-5738 with your comments. Please don't wait till the end. Uh, if you're on the road, uh, you know, you know, just voice it out and say, hey, call 713-526-5738. Uh, before I go to the next subject, I just want to give you guys a FYI. Um, I have uh, I prepared last night worked too darn late didn't get my exercise in because i couldn't get i had to get some programs to our expert in the in in the studio el senor howard reynolds so i was fixing up the programs for thanksgiving and the programs for uh, the day after thanksgiving and i want to tell you those are some programs that you're going to want to listen to uh the first one is with william bronston william bronston is going to talk about uh, his experiences in New York in a particular institution uh, and how uh, the system has worked and why it is that we need Medicare, something like Medicare for all. Yeah, Medicare for all, some people, because it has the name Medicare in it, don't like it. So we call it healthcare for all. Why we must have healthcare for all, why it is more efficient. I mean, it's going to be a, a, a different perspective. Uh, that I think you're going to want to hear. We're also going to talk once, once more again about Medicare Advantage, a great article that was written by um, Just Care President. I can't call her name right now, but Just Care President. Uh, I did an interview with her last year, and I think you're going to like the, uh, what we referenced about a new article that she wrote pretty much saying the same thing we've been talking about on this program for several, several years. Don't go to Medicare Advantage. If at all, you can avoid it. Stick with standard traditional Medicare. We go over that in detail with, I think it's a, I think it's a 15 or 20 minute segment. And the segment with uh, Dr. Uh, William Bronston is about a, a 35 minute segment. So you're going to want to listen to the show tomorrow. And likewise, we have, of course, Dr. Richard Wolf on Friday. Richard Wolf is gonna, uh, again, uh, anytime I call him up, I tell him, hey, I, I want a, between a 20 to 27 minute or so uh, interview because that's, that's sort of the length of the interviews that I like. And by the time it's all over, Many times it's over an hour. You know, we get into talking and uh, and shooting, and then, then then it takes time to cut out, cut it down. But anyway, this one I got down to fifty six minutes with Dr. Richard Wolf. I think you are going to love it. So please remember to tune in on Turkey Day, and remember to tune in on Black Friday, the day after Turkey Day. You're going to enjoy these two programs. Guaranteed, it's not going to be just me talking. It's going to be these guys giving you some good info. And next week, we have another uh, group of interviews. I think I'll put those in next week as well. Uh, we'll see, depending on, you know, on, on timing, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you're going to like those programs. Anyhow, 713-526. So that's a heads up on the programs that we're having tomorrow and Friday. But give me a call now, 713-526-5738. Would love to hear your voice. Would love to hear your input. Would love to hear your thoughts. 
526-5738 these last two days. We've had quite a bit less calls, and I think it has to do with the holidays. 713-526-5738, because the phone lines are not very busy. You'll get on right away. Paul Fleming is typing away on the in the chat, and he says, Social Security sends checks to over 66 million Americans each year. That includes nearly 9 million people who receive Social Security disability benefits and almost 6 million people who receive survivor benefits. Who agrees that's a system worth protecting? We all agree that's a system worth protecting. And we all know that the new Speaker of the House is pretty much Mike, uh, is pretty much into, uh, he's, he's forming a commission now, uh, Paul. Uh, where he is going to try to save money. Good old Mike Johnson is going to save money on Social Security. The same way insurance companies save money, giving you less care. What do you think they're up to? What the hell do you think they're up to? All right. Paul Fleming also says your, your periodic reminder that when multi-billionaires take control of our most vital platform for communications, it's not a win for free speech, free speech. It's a win for oligarchy. And you're absolutely right about that. Paul Fleming also says, how MAGA and the oligarchy feed off each other. One, the oligarchy's objective is to hoard wealth. Number two, it uses MAGA to stoke hatred and divide. Three, oligarchy siphons off more wealth while we're distracted and four maga uses the oligarchy's money for campaigns rinse repeat how often have we spoken about that paul fleming you're absolutely right and we speak of that constantly over and over again very important all right paul fleming says among other things that would have been difficult to predict before the trump era People flying literally F-bomb flags in quiet, in quiet residential areas. I know. And, you know, many of them call themselves church people. And they're, they're, they're putting these kinds of things out there. I find it astounding what Trump has made normal. Let's go to Augie, who's on the line right now. Come on in, Augie. How are you doing this morning? Okay, especially when I listen to you guys and Richard Wolf too. Uh, <laughs> uh, all I got to say is remember the Hindenburg. Yes, hydrogen. Exactly. That's uh, it, one spark and the whole ship came down. <laughs> That's right. It ended the airship movement. Yeah, I, I remember well. You know, I mean... um. The thing about it is, uh, look, uh, it's it's like I said in the beginning of the show, it's a, a one of those one valence elements, which means it is highly, highly chemically active. And that is explosive, almost like magnesium, right? I think magnesium is a one or two valent type element where yeah. it's always ready to react. And it's really hot when it does react. Yes, 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 yes. Anyway, what's up, Augie? What do you have for me this morning? know about uh, the election and um, your votes count. And like I said, if Hillary had been elected, we would not have had those three Supreme Court judges. And I guess that's about it for today. <laughs> yeah, well, look, Augie, thank you very much for that. I, 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 want, to, I want to reinforce on what you just said. Um, Hillary lost the election, Augie, 
not in popular vote, but in three states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Okay. And the sum total of the votes that she lost the election by was something on the order of 80,000 votes in the total amount of votes cast inconsequential. But think about it. Think about if Hillary did a little bit more work in Milwaukee. Think about if Hillary did a little bit more work in Detroit. Think about if Hillary did a little bit more work in, uh, in Philadelphia. She would be president. We would, not have, we would have had three new Supreme Court judges biased towards moving forward, the progressive mantra. That simple thing changed American and world history. So what you're ta- the importance of your vote could not possibly be understated. But Augie, I have another number to tell you. You know, uh, Hillary lost by 80,000 vote in the Electoral College, right? Guess by yep. how many votes Biden won in the Electoral College. Can you how guess? 40,000 no, votes. 40,000 votes. So, so Trump has less to pick up than does Hillary have had to pick up to win an election. That's how crazy and undemocratic our country is. Had had Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan switched by 40,000 votes, we would be talking about President Trump's second term. In other words, Biden won by less votes than Hillary lost. That's a crazy scenario that should have us concerned as hell with, uh, with making sure we get everybody out there to vote. Because Biden also won. Think about this too, my brother. Biden won by 7 million votes. While Hillary won by 3 million votes, Biden won by 7 million votes. And still, we could have had a President Trump losing by 7 million votes, but winning the Electoral College. It's crazy. Thank you very much for calling in. Anything else, my brother? Electoral College, one more thing. Uh, There was a guy that voted in Electoral College but and it was a democratic uh district but he voted for Trump. Yeah. He went against what what he represented the people he represented and I wonder if there was any more besides him and he admitted to it. <laughs> well well you know it, it's interesting because the way it works in the electoral college is all the votes except for two states. I think that the state one state is um uh, uh where uh, there there are two states in the country where elect, the electoral the state said gives permission for the electoral college to be split uh one is damn it's it's a red state i can't remember which state it is that splits the vote and i think the other one is maine that you know you uh the winner of the state doesn't get all the electoral colleges the votes but all the others i think by state law the winner of the the winner of that state gets all the electoral colleges from that state but Again, it's a it's a it's a completely uh, ridiculous way to run a country. But what can I say? The founding fathers wanted to make sure that there was a way uh, that they could. Well, we will go into that another day. Thank you, Augie. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let's go to Tag. Come on in, Tag. Good morning, Edberto. How are you doing, sir? Great, thank you. How about yourself? I am doing fine, sir. Happy Turkey Day tomorrow. Uh, thank you. 
we haven't found those 29 cent turkey yet though i don't know what happened to that but (laughs) (laughs) i hear you man talk to me you know i i just heard you talk about green hydrogen yes and and from what i've been reading there are several different colors um attributed to hydrogen yes and what i understand the green hydrogen is made from wind or solar right so it's completely green and i mean there there really isn't any hydrocarbons or anything but i think if i remember correctly that like if they call it gray hydrogen it comes naturally from the earth yeah and and like blue blue hydrogen might be made from natural gas so i i think it's important to remember that um when we're talking about hydrogen, it's not necessarily carbon free all the time. They, they sometimes it will use carbon to, to uh, produce uh, hydrogen. And, um, but green hydrogen obviously is the best because it's made from wind or solar. So did and, you, did you uh, hear me? Uh, did you hear the, while I was talking from the beginning or did you come in in the middle of the program? No, I heard you from the beginning. Okay, because there is one, the reason I'm saying that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, I want to read a paragraph for you because it it goes as follows. Globally, more than 62% of hydrogen production is derived from fossil gas, known as gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen when coupled with carbon capture and storage, or turquoise hydrogen when produced from methane pyrolysis. About 21% comes from coal and lignite, black brown hydrogen and 16% is produced as a byproduct at refineries 0.5% derived from oil wills only 0.1% is produced via water electrolysis green from renewable electricity purple pink from nuclear so those are the colors you're talking about Exactly. And I appreciate you uh, mentioning that because there are a lot of different colors attributed to uh, how, how it's actually made. And the, the great thing is, is Denmark, who um, has, uh, is a world leader on um, green energy, mm-hmm. and they, they use their um, wind especially, but solar also, to make hydrogen when they have excess uh, electrical power. Right. So it, uh, the hydrogen ends up being like a battery almost where you can, mm-hmm. where you can store the extra energy that you've uh, captured through your green uh, power. So I think it's real important to understand, you know, how these things work. If, if we were, uh, like we are with, with hydrocarbons, like now gasoline and whatever, you know, we would be having to produce a lot of hydrogen, you know, via another mode other than just wind or solar. So, um, I, I what I wanted to say too is that just think of the guy, you know, with a horse and buggy and his his uh and his buggy whip, you know, which uh but but uh what he would have been saying about the prospects of being able to power everything with with hydrocarbons and gasoline. I mean it would have been you know, people would have been laughing like crazy, you know, that, oh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to make an economy based on this. It, it, it'll never work. But, you know, we, we are in a transitionary period, and I think we'll always be depending on hydrocarbons to some degree or another. But there's new and better things coming. And, and I think that in order for us to make that transition, there has to be some demand. that Somebody's got to be building these things like 
like um, Tesla or somebody who's got to be making these things to, you know, usher in the new system. So also tag that is where government comes in. Right. The, the, a corporation the, and nothing against the corporations. A corporations has a motive, a profit motive, and that's fine. But when when we are talking about things that have existential value, uh, like saving the climate, that is that is where we have government, right? Government doesn't have to make a profit. And as such, they can do that, which is good. And, you know, figuring out hydrogen, figuring out all these things are very important, as you said. And, and, and by the way, we shouldn't really just look at hydrocarbons as a negative because hydrocarbons are really not a negative, right? There's stuff to do with hydrocarbons. And, and let me tell you one other thing. Um, hydrocarbons came from living things, right? In other words, we had trees and we had animals and we had all these things that turned into hydrocarbons. So the reality is that there's also a break-even point, right? Where people say, but we always are going to need certain types of cosmetics and oils. And yeah, that's true. But uh, what we want is to find that balance, right? Where as more carb, as we use more hydrocarbons, more the, it, it is taken right back out of the air through the different processes that we have. Growing up plants, growing up animals, growing all you know, it's all one a, a, a cycle. It's actually, believe it or not, it's called a carbon cycle, right? And 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 what we have to do is reduce the carbon cycle, the excess carbon cycle, and bring on the other renewables that we have. So, uh, tag good point. That, that that you allowed me to kind of append to. Anything else you want to add, sir? Yeah, I just uh, have to, um, I mean, I have an opinion about the where the oil and the hydrocarbons come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the standard is like, yeah, a dinosaur died in a pit and it could <laughs> become hydrocarbons. Um, uh-huh. But I know in LA, you know, in LA they have a tar pit where they, they know yeah. that's fact. The thing is, is that the the Earth's core, the the magna that's it's giving off um, heat, and it's also giving off um, smoke and mm-hmm. whatever comes off from molten iron, you know. And I'm I'm of the opinion that that a, a, a certain amount of our oil is formed in the Earth that way, rather than from plants and whatever. So um, I I think it, if you ever walked into a cigarette smoker's house and seen all the oil on their on their yeah. walls and everything. Or even in your kitchen, you know, where you've been cooking, you know, there's a lot of, can be a lot of right. oil. Um, we, we, we know that oil comes from smoke. So, um, uh, first, let me, let me just say, I, I don't think that there's any objection to that, you know, look, it, 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 it's a chemical, man. So there are different, there are many different ways in which carbon is going to be extracted or carbon is going to be placed. Carbon is just one other element on our, great earth you know so there are a lot of other processes that probably goes into it so i don't i don't see any reason to disagree with what you're saying and i don't in fact i'm pretty sure you could probably find a paper on that yeah there's some russians that wrote a a, a paper research paper on this topic that the oil actually comes from you know the molten core of the earth and the in the heat and smoke that comes off it but you know who who listens to russians anymore right no, well, I mean, no, I mean, actually, Russians are great scientists now. I mean, uh, um, look, uh, I mean, uh, all these, you have great scientists from every darn country, you know. So, I mean, I forgot the guy that for a long time he had kind of, I think he had escaped and came to the United States. My mind is failing me sometimes. I used to re- remember all these names and I don't remember all these names anymore. Like Howard Dean, I was trying to remember 
a few minutes ago and it's like, oh God, I got to think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, it's Howard Dean. Anyway, Tag, I got to go to Mitchell. Anything else before I run to Mitchell? You want to remember something, don't think about it. That's the best way to have that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tag, you have a wonderful turkey day, brother. Take care. All right, let's go to Mitchell. Come on in, Mitchell. Hello, Egberto. Yes, Egberto hablando. Talk to me. Hello. Um, I, I just wanted to make a, a comment because yesterday, uh, one of your special uh, listeners, the one who we all love to listen to, Mr. Brian, he made a comment about the solar panel technology hasn't advanced. But right. then he said a comment about capitalism not being a threat. But it's just so so idiotic to to not realize that the reason why the solar panel technology hasn't advanced is because of capitalism. They're the ones that, you know, big oil and gas companies don't want that technology to advance because it's going to take away from the profits. Exactly. Look, I mean, it's look, uh, I, I have I, I hope you listen on Friday to the program if you have the if you have the ability to do so, because I have Richard Wolf on who is uh, I, I would consider one of the my preferred Ikanas because he doesn't shoot the bull. He doesn't try to be in the middle just to be accepted. He just says things the way they are, which is what you just said. Um, the direct responsibility of most of our problems, whether it be climate, whether it be health, all of these issues are directly a product of capitalism the wars that we have a direct result of capitalism i we can enumerate all the reasons why and and it's not difficult and that is not just a blatantly not capitalism that is just to say that is that that is capitalism by design it has no heart it has no soul it's capitalism it's all about the maximization of capital and if that means dead people, it means dead people. If it means climate change, it means climate change. So, Mitchell, you nailed it. Anything yep. else, my brother? I just hope that that your I, I just hope that your listeners uh, also doubt that. I mean, sometimes people talk on here and they they're just so one sided and they're blinded to the facts. But all right, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, Mitchell. Well, uh, you know, ironically, Brian is on the other line and I I love to have my brother Brian because he always has a good critique for me. So my dear brother, Brian, first of all, thank you for calling in a bit earlier today. Talk to me, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. What is the percentage of carbon in the atmosphere right now? Uh, I don't know, but I can look it up for you. But I know that it's more than. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's zero point. Four percent. Okay. Okay. What's the percentage of that is man-made? Uh, quite a bit of it. Zero, zero, okay. Actually, zero. okay. Let, let, let's get it clear now, because what I did is I wanted to make sure. What, one of the things that I do here is I don't lie. I make sure to give factual information. Okay. So the amount of carbon from the National Energy Laboratory right now is 004 percent. Yeah, no, 0.4. Oh, 0. 0.4. What did I say? I said 0.04, right? Uh, 0.4. That's yeah. 0.04, no. sir. Yeah. Okay. How, what percentage of it is man-made? Uh, man-made, I am not sure, but I'll look it up as well. But go ahead. I, I know you have an answer. 
Okay, yeah, it, it's like zero 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 six. It, it's a minuscule number. Okay. Oh. The the carbon capture process. You you know anything about that? That I do know. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. Now the solar panels. Mm-hmm. Has, has anybody been to the VA office lately? No, I haven't. The entire garage system. Okay, the entire garage system is solar panels. Great so idea. Is that capitalism or? Yeah, yeah. So this is the the the, the capitalism stopping the solar panels, correct? No, What's that's the not what. In California, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Solar right. panels in California. What is their percentage? I don't know, but let me let me let me tell you what I'm going to because it, here's but the deal. Brian, let me just tell you this. I could come I could have come prepared to the show with all those numbers for you. I don't have them in the the, the the specific numbers for you. So, I will I trust the numbers that you're giving me. What I don't trust that what I know that you're wrong on is uh the interpretation of what we're saying. When you hear me talk about uh, you know, a capitalism and what it does. I want to remind what I want to remind you the first thing that Reagan did when he got into office. Uh, Reagan, the leader of the country and sort of the person who tells us our direction. Uh, while Carter placed placed uh, solar panels on the roof of the White House, Reagan wanted to prove a point, and he tore them down. And the idea was. To hell with green energy, to hell with solar energy. We are a carbon burning country. Uh, the oil companies do all that is possible to make it difficult for solar farms to come online. Uh, it, many utilities right now, Brother Brian, you cannot, you have to pay a fee if you want your home to be off grid with solar power. So that is where I'm talking about the, 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 the many things that capitalism does to prevent things like uh, the mass use of solar panels. I also gave you the story yesterday of the quotes that I received from companies from for the same type of setup from $90,000 all the way down to $30,000 for solar panel in my home. That's capitalism in action. What else would you like to say? Okay, what percentage of Texas uh, energy source comes from wind power? Oh, the highest in the country. I don't know what percentage, but it's a high percentage, and it's the most in the country. Yeah, it's 24%, and it failed badly during the big freeze. Okay, stop we right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there. Please, please stop. Please stop. We don't, mm-hmm. we, we don't use this program to put out misinformation. You can find all reputable sources that made it clear that it's the gas free it's not weatherizing the gas plants that caused the outages that we had and in fact absent wind power we would have had a collapse in the grid that's a statement of fact that if you are interested in researching Brian you honestly can i already have well, already- Brian, oh, hold, hold on. If you tell me, Brian, if you tell me, you can, if, if you told me, if you tell me you have and you still tell me that it's a failure of wind that caused the problem. I have nothing else to talk to you about on this particular subject because I cannot allow our airwaves to be used to lie to people because the information that you got would have been a lie. 
Ask your listeners to find out. That's all I ask. No, I, I, and they have, and I have, and they have, and out. you have not. Okay. They, whatever sources you use, and, and all to all the listeners that are listening to our, our brother Brian here, understand this. Do what Brian just said. Weatherization of gas-powered plants, the lack of weatherization of gas-powered plants, which should have been done in Texas, but our great governor really didn't enforce, is what caused the blackouts in the, the, the winter storm. Now, Brian just came on our program and he told you exactly what uh, our Governor Abbott told you. He also, Abbott also lied to you when he said it was the green energy failure that caused the problem. So Abbott lied to you. And here we have Brian who calls into this show frequently as an additional voice. And now determine who you will trust based on the information you can also research on your own anything else brian no because uh I, i've already found the information it came from Earth. okay good thank you very much my brother all right um uh let's see uh we are at 50 oh we're at the end anyway howard give me a closer give me a closer my brother jack well, it was a very interesting program, and I listened to it intently. Jack, what yeah, you got? A lot of big bolts just ran on batteries. You have to be able to run your systems off batteries and inverters and stuff. People can buy off-the-shelf stuff to build a off-grid system. Absolutely. Anyway, folks, my I thank the callers. Thank Howard and Jack. Happy Turkey Day. I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.